Do you remember when pedal pushes were big with teenage girls? Jeans that got super tight around the calf and allowed your ankles to get the ventilation that they deserved? Well, my mum, upon seeing them, said, Oh, are they back in fashion? They were popular when I was a kid. I didn't realise it then, but I definitely realise it now that as kids are spending big money on old NBA shirts from 1998, from expensive vintage stores and, and football hats that I wore throughout my entire primary education are now well over $200 on eBay. I, I, I can't believe I threw those out. You know, what was once cool becomes cool again. And, and it happens with music too. I've heard kids singing that amazing Eiffel 65 ballad, Blue, not knowing that it was a cover of the great Eiffel 65 ballad, Blue. Jonas Blue covered Fast Car by Tracy Chapman recently. And, you know, teen drummers now demand piano covers of Smashing Pumpkins today and Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. So now I totally relate to my mum as Alien Ant Farm's Smooth Criminal was smashing the airwaves in 2001. That shit was omnipresent and everyone over the age of 34 was saying, oh, that's a cover of a Michael Jackson song, almost in unison. Now, being the fine musical connoisseur, I was well aware of the original and sort of threw Alien Ant Farm to the side as a silly novelty band. Although, fuck me, like, that cover saw a bunch of money flow their way. I wish the silly ideas that I had with my friends made me stacks of cash instead of just ending up in parties where we, where we would all roll each other in cling wrap. Oh, no, that's fucked. But my opinion on Alien Ant Farm would all change when a young man named Tim, who would later go on to be a truck driver, he would lend me his copy of Alien Ant Farm's Antology, or Anthology, saying that, hey, you should give it a shot. It's actually not too bad. So I gave it a shot, and it wasn't that bad. I loved the song movies straight off the bat, and I did think the band were better than I had given them credit for. And revisiting this album has made me reflect on fashion and trends being cyclical, but the nature of how we acquired music back then isn't coming back. Going to a friend's house with a blank CD, asking them to make a data disc with their 10 favourite albums is gone. Being angry that someone hasn't returned your copy of Kitty's Spit, that's not coming back. Leaving a friend's house with a stack of CDs that you would take home and listen to before returning it to them, you know, at school a week later, that's a thing of the past. They've been replaced by Spotify playlists, shared Plex accounts, and 15-second Instagram stories. So Benji, was discovering this music the way we did in the late 90s, early 2000s, the, the sweet spot where technology helped us share music but still encouraged human interaction? Or are we just two crusty old dudes dipping our toes into the it was better in our day sort of vibe, ignoring the fact that we can get whatever album we want whenever and share it instantly with whoever we want as a part of the music community being lost forever. Ah, well, that that is an interesting question. Um, In effect, you're asking, have we become angry old men shaking our fists at the cloud storage? Um, Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, perhaps it was the idea that we were young and it was the romanticized history of how, for me, it was sat in the main forecourt of the college that I went to. Um, It was having my Discman with a copy of Metallica. 
uh, what was it now? I think it was a uh, Garage Incorporated at the time. Mine was Lulu. No, no, no. But I've had a request. Could we do Lulu? But it's a little bit outside of the Who time frame. Who the fuck frame is doing this? Do. Who's doing? Why? A new fucking listener, man. So we gotta, we gotta respect the listeners' Here it wishes, is. It's man. Shit. If we there did, you go. It's shit times fifty minutes. It's a piece of art, Lulu. Anyway. Um, yeah, the romanticized idea, like, and you'd swap kind of like either Discman's or take the CDs out, the whole borrowing CDs, uh, having Winamp. Ah, I remember Winamp. And, you know, when Winamp had the ability to rip audio, same with Real Player and stuff like that. But you can still have that aspect when it comes to modern day music. I know that. Making a playlist, you know, on Spotify, it, it it doesn't feel the same as how we used to swap CDs and 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 so forth. You know, it's a generational thing. I mean, I think it goes not just for music, not just for this podcast, but just for our generation and technology as a whole. You know, we grew up throughout technological advances that we are happy to take advantage of them now, but we still sometimes long for those halcyon days where it became more of an effort to discover music as opposed to everything's just instantaneous at the minute. You, you don't have to wait. You know, I I remember when BitTorrent started to become a thing and I ended up, the first thing I, I downloaded through a BitTorrent was that fabled Iron Maiden set at Ozfest, where the whole feud between um, Bruce Dickinson and Ozzy Osbourne blew up, and that was the only way I could have access to that kind of footage or, or that audio, you know. And then cloud storage wasn't a thing, so people would have like websites that would just link to other websites and split up zip files of like Nirvana bootlegs and stuff like that. So it, it's fantastic that you don't have to go to that lens and hunt things down like a treasure hunt. But at the same time, I, 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 I have to agree with you to an extent that some of that magic's missing. But that's us, man. Maybe young people these days, they, they love jumping on SoundCloud, for example, and discovering a whole range of SoundCloud musicians that are hooked on Xanax, you know, or using BandLab and collaborating with one another. So it's awesome how the collaborative effort when it comes to music now is so global. Um, but yeah, that, that tinge of nostalgia, I do miss sometimes. I've been spending the last week trying to think about what the fuck did I do when I used to listen to albums? Because I would go to my room and say, Mom, make sure you knock. And I would sit and play music, but I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't on an iPad. I wasn't on WhatsApp. I, no. I wasn't, you know, scrolling Netflix or TikTok or whatever. I think I was just staring at the posters in my room. Like, it's pretty fucking cooked. I don't know what I would do. Or reading, like, a copy of, like, what, Hot Metal. I'm not sure what the Australian metal... I, I remember it was Hot Metal when I was growing up in New Zealand. I think it's Playboy here. Well, you probably did what I did. If you got a brand new CD and you put it on, you're just pouring through the CD inlay. You're looking at like the liner notes and stuff like that. If there's lyrics, great. If not, there's not. I used to put music on and I don't remember playing the PlayStation or the Sega Saturn at the time when I was listening to music. I think I was just like you, just like... I'm just sat there on my bed listening to it, taking it all <laughs> yeah. in. I wish I wish I had the time 
and the attention span to do that there's not a lot of albums these days where i've just sat down and and it's there's been nothing else going on around me it's specifically been that i think the last album muzai demos aside would have been um black midi's last album uh or the comet is coming which kind of sounds pretentious because one's like a jazz core album and the other one is kind of like a neo jazz quartet but maybe that says something more about music tastes and maybe that says more about um, songwriting that that kind of music for me commanded my attention that I would stop everything and just be like yeah I'm listening to this I, I wish I could say I was reading a book yeah I was reading some Kerouac and Bukowski while listening to Interpol's antics but no I tried that once and it was boring well I'm fucked man because if I have to go downstairs just to like get a garbage bag or something I'm like better put on a podcast it's like it's a six-second round trip. I was like, can't be <laughs> if I left alone with my own thoughts for more than I reckon four milliseconds, I just go, I, I just lose it. Like I cannot, I just need constant stimulation, constant input. I'm Johnny Five, basically, not from Marilyn Manson. I'm just need more input constantly. It's like, you know, murder mystery podcast. By the way, I do have a murder mystery. Well, I have a true crime podcast within Butcher Death Trip today. And we'll get to it later when we start talking about this fucking album, Alien Ant Farm, Ant. Apology, you've gone in deep, Bench. Is that right? Am I am I correct in saying you've lost your mind? I've I've picked up a couple of a couple of notes here and there. Right. You know, I kind of feel bad because sometimes I hear that you go, "Yeah, man, another." I can't do your voice. <laughs> yeah, man, like I've gone real, I've gone real deep. You know, like 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 when you're saying I've dug up some dirt on a musician, it's like, well, I I haven't gone to that length. I'm just recalling things from memory from a. 38 year old slightly drug addled fucking memory that i've got of of an alien ant farms case it would have been when i was in newark uh in college with uh joe jones who is uh the lead singer struggles with syntax who we're going to be releasing later in the year so my power of recall surprises me whenever we do these podcasts man my power of fucking making shit up and it being semi-accurate amazes me as well man hey man it works for fox news works for the murdochs do not get vaccinated as we vaccinate our entire staff so what did you think of this album binge i fucking loved it man it's an interesting one because at the time it felt like alien ant farm was in my view almost kind of a a bridge between new metal or alternative metal because subsequent albums they kind of like dropped a bit more of the heavier aspects and went for towards the more alternative rock aspect and uh, according to wikipedia a couple of other people felt that way as well but yeah i i really really enjoyed it and i think it was that entry between new metal and then there's Alien Ant Farm, and then I feel like with the fashion that you mentioned, with the fact that the band played uh, the 2001 Warped Tour as well, and Warped Tours, normally predominantly punk ska bands at that point in time, maybe the early beginnings of emo with the used and stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that the band was was that bridge where, oh, are you into kind of like Less Than Jake and stuff like that? Well, here's a more heavier band that are more, a, lot, a bit more bouncy, a bit more fun, but definitely a lot more heavier. And they dress in the kind of punk attire that one would associate with 
those kind of bands. And then if you're into Alien, then it's kind of like, oh, well, Alien Ant Farm, you can then veer into, you know, other heavier stuff, maybe Deftones, maybe Incubus and stuff like that. I noticed in the run sheet you made a mention of how you felt Alien Ant Farm was Warehouse Incubus. Yeah, man. And I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask, have you seen Dryden Mitchell with Dreads? No, I have not. No, you go, man. So on YouTube, you can check out, it was... One of their classic VHS tapes that Reese hates, you know. You probably like it because there's a lot more backstage footage. But it's called Road to Wreckage. And it's weird seeing him with dreads because I always associated Dryden with the kind of inverted mohawk haircut, which I seldom yeah. fucking saw anyone rock. Maybe you did back in the day, but but yeah, he, he had dreads. And I get that Incubus reference as well, because they felt like a party band, like how Incubus, before they got super serious, maybe around the science era of Incubus and before then Fungus Among Us. They, they're a party band. I, th- I think the best way to sum up Alien Ant Farm Reese is a comment that I saw on YouTube, which was... Someone thanking Alien Ant Farm for looking like they're having fun amongst a sea of other bands that were just angsty. Yeah, well, that's my problem with them. That's what I do not like. That's Really? Yeah, that's exactly what I I think. The underlying thing is like, uh, well, yeah, I want a band that you can sort of grab hold of and explore a bit more. And it's like, hey, hey, dudes in cargo shorts being silly boys up the front. You've got a great singer in Dryden. Yeah. Amazing voice. But you keep going back to that funky fucking like he could have been the next Gerard Way. But in saying that, they fucking made their coin. Like they've they they are successful musicians. They are professional musicians. I'm not sure about their financial status now, but I'm sure like Dryden introduced Smooth Criminal multiple times. You know, saying this song bought me a nice car and a nice house. So yeah, fuck what I'm saying, but. You can see why My Chemical Romance took off and there's a Violence and Sunshine episode on the band Thursday that, you know, I was just listening to and they they talked about Dradway, uh sorry, with My Chemical Romance. Their, ba- their album was produced by Jeff from Thursday and Jeff couldn't understand why My Chemical Romance were fucking blowing up, you know, t- you know really going through the roof. It's like because there's some mystique there, there's an image yeah. there and that image is easy to work with for a label. They're like, all right, great. This director would work for you. You've got a clearly, there's some parameters set there. Whereas for Alien Ant Farm, it's like, guys, do you want to just fucking iron your shirt? Do you want to just not wear some dicky shirts for a minute? It's like, no. Hey, bassist, do you want to put your tongue in and stop like flicking your fingers around like they're on fire? Like you're you're not a silly boy. Come on. Like we could take you to the next level. If, if If the teens and the angsty teens feel that they can emote with you, but. Otherwise, you're resigned to playing fucking car park festivals once Smooth Criminal dies. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I rate Ty Zamora as a bass player. I mean, he's he, he's now a bass tech for Godsmack when I last checked and a band called Slightly Stupid. Ugh, I learned all this from a dad cast, you know, because he, he, he's a dad of three kids, so, you know. I rate him as a good bass player. I rate him up there with Dirk Lance from Incubus. And I think, again... I understand where you're coming from with the My Chemical Romance. There's the mystique, there's the intrigue, there's the well-polished kind of imagery around them throughout, even with Danger Days. But 
I do maintain with Alien Ant Farm that it had one of its feet in the new metal community, and then its other foot in the kind of punk community, that fun kind of bubbly, not quite pop punk, but that fun kind of aspect. Now, Smooth Criminal was never meant to be released. Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard Dryden say Movies was a single and it was doing really well. And then he heard it on the radio and was like, holy shit, they released Smooth Criminal without us knowing. Well, yeah, he was, they were on tour in Germany and his friend called up and said, hey, do you guys know that you're number one on the Furious 5 chart, which was K-Rock, which is an influential radio station in Los Angeles, their um, listener requested chart. And Dryden was like, oh, that's really cool that movies has blown up. And his friend went, no, 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 Smooth Criminal. And fucking DreamWorks released it without anyone knowing whatsoever. And I mean, that track could have been their Smells Like Teen Spirit because you hear, probably we listened to the same interview, which was uh, Rover's Morning Glory. I've forgotten the radio station now, but it's it's accessible on YouTube. Um, Dryden's theory behind anthology or anthology how are we pronouncing it anthology all right i might just call it anthology because i don't think my vocal cords can take shouting and all the time his thought process behind their albums was that anthology would be the one that would get them some attention and it would all escalate from there and if you look back at the timeline for them anthology just blew them up with that smooth criminal cover, and then Truant did quite well. I mean, I, I was a fan of Truant as well, and then everything after that, surprise, surprise, I got fucked over by the record label, but we can get to that later on. Uh, that seems to be a long-running kind of arc with these podcasts as well when we talk about bands at that time that, for some reason, their labels don't kind of they always have a bit of problems with the labels you know i go back to spine shank as well but yeah smooth criminal it could have killed that band but they see how happy people are with it they're at peace with it now i do have to say i i looked up a a reader's poll reese and 54 percent of those that were asked on leading website kids world that's kids with a Z, by the way. I'm surprised you're allowed back on that website. Uh, well, 54 of those, when asked if they preferred the Alien Ant Farm or the Michael Jackson version, said that they preferred the Michael Jackson version. So there's a bit of dark irony in that fact right there. <laughs> Make a joke out of that, if you will. Nope. Allegedly. Don't come after us, fucking Michael Jackson stands. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So I feel like with Alien Ant Farm, there's four members and it's 2v2, you know, 1v1 me on Rust, bro. It's like... Dryden and the guitarist and bassist and drummer. And the bassist and drummer are like, let's be silly and, and fucking hit our splash cymbals and like be like funky. And then Dryden's like, yeah, fine, whatever. But on the chorus, that's when we go big. And the chorus is ruling all this, most of the songs. And then it goes back to... And then Dryden's go like, oh, i got to work with this fucking piece of shit. And so, you know, they do, they do make it work for the most part. But I'm just like, ah, oh, you're a great bass player. You're a great drummer, but... Maybe not for this band. I, obviously, it's not for my taste, but we definitely, definitely have a new Splash King. Listen to this on, um, what's the song? Bones and Sticks? Oh, uh, it's, it's just a drummer's corner? No, it's very, very short. Just listen to the amount of Splash symbols. It's fucking wild, man. Okay. Splash. Splash. 
fucking hell, man. And live clips, it's even worse. Get over the splash, man. It's not that good. I don't I don't see the problem or hear the problem as it were. I don't What is it with you and splash? Like what are they? What is it add to a song? Crap. Crap. It's just No, 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 you're the drummer. I thought you'd be able to tell I'll me tell what, what the splash is. They're fun to hit. Do they sound good? No. Do they improve the song? No. Do they add any sort of progression to a song? No. It's like crash, crash. But they're 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 fun to hit. Well, maybe he was maybe he wanted to have some fun and hitting it. See, I think that the charm of Alien Ant Farm is the kind of eccentric nature of all four members. You know, you've got, I mean, Dryden doing his kind of best. Like in Maynard James Keenan impression at times, you know, like with his tongue out, moving his hands around and bits and pieces like that, you know. The guitarist thinking that he is Matt Tremonti? No, he's a wrestler. The guitarist from Creed, what's his name? Yeah, I, I just think they were, you know, the bass player and the drummer having fun. Did he animate? I mean, the whole band is animated. Uh, I just think that maybe you're concentrating a bit too much on how animated some of the um, members are. And maybe, Reese, is it a problem that it should be a lead singer that's animated because they're meant to be the focus of the group. They're meant to be the focal point on stage and you get distracted by the other shenanigans that other people are doing. Is that maybe part of the the issue? Are we Have I unearthed some, like deep-seated kind of resentment that you've got that because you were a drummer, you couldn't do any animated crazy stuff? Because, you know, you you opened your mouth when there was a microphone behind the drum kit at times and you said some crazy shit that maybe people have gone, fuck off, you're just a drummer. I didn't even need a microphone, but I just feel like Dryden could have been in an incredible band, but just the funk and the silliness ruins it so much. Like Some of these choruses are fucking incredible. I just feel like he could, in the, in the right band, he could have been the next level. Now, I do want to say again, they made their money and they made people happy and fucking, it, this is a subjective tasting but I was like I hear his voice and I hear the passion in his lyrics and then I'm like fuck yeah I, I feel what I think you want me to feel and I feel what I think you're feeling and then it goes back to the verse it's like all right bass player have your fucking run like but it's like man Jerry Seinfeld's not about to walk out you know onto the Seinfeld set here fucking settle down take your splash symbol off and stop you know wiggling your fingers and your tongue at people on the stage have you seen that movie's live in Lake Eisenhower clip Fuck it, I, I don't, I've lost count how many fucking versions of movies that there are, man, you know, because I, they had three movies. I remember seeing um, the first video, which was the kind of like behind the scenes kind of, you know, hey guys, this is what it looks like to be on set doing a music video. That was the first one I saw. And then Smooth Criminal came out again. Again is a very important mm-hmm. comment, by the way. Smooth Criminal came out again but this was the official version that dreamworks released and then that did so well that dreamworks then decided we're going to chuck some money into another music video and i i only saw that music video the night before this podcast which is them playing a house party and then hooking up with like some dream girls i kind of stopped because i just thought it was contrived Uh, and then the third music video is of course the big one that's on YouTube as their official video of them in the cinema with uh, references, pastiches, if you will, to like Ghostbusters and stuff like that. But yeah, you you know that they were they were friends with Papa Roach, and that's how DreamWorks SKG ended up signing them. 
No, I did not. You're about to drop there some truth bombs go. on me. There you go. So, yeah, so they were uh, they used to hang out with another California band called Papa Roach, who we have done before. And Papa Roach was signed to DreamWorks Records um, for Infest, if, if I remember correctly. And so they passed on a demo, which was called Greatest Hits, which was the first kind of set of proper recordings that Alien Ant Farm did. And they got picked up for two albums by DreamWorks Records uh, just off the base of Greatest Hits, which included a song called Slick Thief, oh. which then became Smooth Criminal because they weren't sure if they'd have the licensing agreement. You had a fact, though, about Michael Jackson was contacted after that video was made for the anthology version. Is that correct? They When they did that video of the... It was like a kid dancing on the sidewalk. He was wearing a surgical mask, but they thought, fuck, is this making fun of Michael Jackson because he allegedly wore that due to a botched operation? So they sent it to him, and he was like, yeah, actually, I feel a bit upset about that. So they redid it all. Like, So it cost them so much money. And so they redid it, and then the kid's dancing without the mask, and then Michael Jackson went, ah, it's better with the mask. So they had to they, they just use the original one. <laughs> hold on, hold on a minute, hold on. Let's just let's just add a pause here for anybody who's listening to this to get their obligatory Michael Jackson jokes out the way. Because I'm not doing it and you're not doing it. So hold on. There you go. There you go, everyone. You've been given a chance. Now send that in. You know, fucking do that duet shit that all the tiktokers are doing at the minute yeah it was an incredibly expensive video uh and again going back to that rover's morning glory interview he asked dryden yeah but you just filmed it in front of a house what was so expensive about it you forget that the whole footpath at one point had the lighting arrangement from the billy jean video that's not cheap, man. That's not. Cheap. I mean, light bulbs aren't cheap. I mean, we're going through an energy crisis here in the UK as of this point of recording. So yeah, it's probably going to be a fuckload more expensive as well if they ever did shit like that again. It, it was such an expensive video, but it worked. And my God, they did the rounds on late night television with that song, didn't they? Of course. But do you know how it came to be? What smooth criminal? Yeah. Or Slick Thief, as I like to call it. You know, the OG AAF. The Slick Thief. Slick Thief. Go on. So, you know, whilst the singer or the guitarist is tuning or whatever, the drummer and the bassist would be just playing Michael Jackson songs. And the crowd started to like it. So, you know, they'd all sort of join in and that's how they opened their set. And so they knew that it was working. They knew that they could do it. But really, it was just an excuse for the bass player to fucking show his wares flex to flex to flex man right so before we go into the dirt of dryden um shall we do an advert to cleanse the palate yeah so i got in contact with a bunch of people who wanted to offer a counterpoint to the soundbar propaganda or lack of soundbar propaganda that we had on a previous show Um, in the interest of political fairness and levity we are going to allow this uh broadcast uh, from that counterpoint group in question. I heard that sound bars are unnecessary and that the audio out of a TV set is already good enough. Fact. The speaker quality of a television is entirely dependent on the size of the television. If it's a flat screen, chances are your sound quality isn't going to be optimal. I read that sound bars are incredibly noisy with their subwoofers causing structural damage. Fact. 
Note, subwoofers do not cause structural damage and the noise from a soundbar is only equal to the volume that you choose to listen to your programs to. Hey, um, I saw a news article on a prominent social media platform which explicitly said that certain brands of soundbars help fund military operations in North Korea. Fact. That, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Especially given the lack of electronic companies that stem from North Korea on top of trade embargoes with North Korea. My friend, who also makes his own homemade batteries out of his batch, said that soundbars emit a sub-audible noise that brainwashes people into becoming socialists. Fact. Wait, wait, what? What? Is that Troy? Is that true? Uh, as a concerned mother, my biggest fear is soundbars loitering around playgrounds, chewing gum and spitting everywhere. Fact. Yo, okay, this is this is getting ridiculous. I'm I'm just a narrator here. My daughter takes her soundbar into the bedroom and plays something from a bass. And I think that she's of that age where she's sexually Fact. I have I I have, I don't know. I don't know. I tell you what. Dang old soundbar got me addicted to methamphetamines and I sold my television set for more meth and now I don't need no soundbar. Fact. I'm out. I'm out. Let, get me out of this thing, Troy. Troy, get me out of this vocal booth! Seriously, Troy, I mean it. I mean it. This is the cat food commercial. You think you know all the answers? But there are so many unexplained questions. Vote no on Prop 52. Mandatory soundbars in all homes. Brought to you by the coalition of men who don't own soundbars. Open the door, Troy. Some theatre of the mind there, man. That was fucking wild. I was fully hollow sync. I was seeing through my third eye. That was that was wild. That was Shrek's 4D adventure at Movie World. Woo! Yeah, so a lot of dirt from um the coalition of men who don't own soundbars there real food for thought don't don't believe the mainstream media come to Bacho death trip for all of your news facts speaking of dirt now i've waited practically two weeks here because every time on whatsapp it's i get a message from you going yeah man i got some real dirt again i can't do your accent yeah man i got some real dirt on dryden on mitchell dryden dryden mitchell so why is it, man? Because you've kept me in suspense. This better be worth it. I promise you it is. It's legitimate, actual intel that I guarantee no other podcast has. Wow. Wow. And no one else can see, but Reese has pointed. I have... A, a Reese only points when he's making a yes, point. Yes, exactly right. I guarantee that no one has this. I promise you. So I'm really trying to boost the listenership of Bacho Death Trip. Yes, and, you know, yes, thank you for your five-star reviews and all that stuff. Share it with a friend. It helps. But what really helps and what really sells in this sort of you know, market is true crime. So I've done a true crime podcast on trying to find dirt on Dryden Mitchell. Or is it Mitchell Dryden? Welcome to the Butchio Death Trip True Crime Podcast. Episode one of one. Finding Dryden. Oh, my God. Dryden of Alien Ant Farm. That's right. Hi, my name's Reese, and yeah, for the last, oh God knows what, six days, I've been obsessed with finding Dryden from Alien Ant Farm. I'm just trying to find out who the real Dryden is. And yes, I could have messaged him on Instagram, Facebook, Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp, WeChat, Line. It doesn't really matter. I could have done those things, but, but I haven't. I've done something even better. 
in an effort to try and track down and find out who the real Dryden is, I've gone to the one true alien ant farm source. And of course, that's Colin Jeffs. Now, some of you may already know Colin from his work with Ten of Swords Media, fronting bands like Aversion's Crown or Tongues. Some of you may know him from his earlier work being in a band with me, covering songs like Seven Words from bands like Deftones. Yes, it is true I gave him his start in the music industry, so what, you know, let's not make a big deal about it. But when you want (laughs) irrefutable alien ant farm proof and a true insight into Dryden from Alien Ant Farm, you go to Colin Jeffs. I can tell you the singer of Alien Ant Farm was actually a fan of my band because he messaged us and he said, oh, I fucking love your band. Can you send me a T-shirt? And we, we sent him a T-shirt and he wore it on his Instagram. We were like, that's, that's weird, but I guess kind of cool. And there we have it, folks. The Smoking Gun. Dryden from Alien Ant Farm is a deathcore fan and he hits up bands for T-shirts. I don't think he paid... He hits up bands for free t-shirts, allegedly. Case closed. End of episode. Or so I thought. Until Colin dropped this bombshell. Okay, so I've just checked with my mate. I think I've given you some some misleading information. It wasn't the Alien Ant Farm singer. It was actually the guitar player. So <laughs> you might need to correct your, your big story, your big scoop on him wearing a Deathcore t-shirt. <laughs> so sorry about that yeah not as cool definitely not as cool as the singer wearing wearing the shirt god damn it colin <clears throat> could it be my one star witness my only way into dryden and his heart and his thinking colin is not a reliable witness has he been playing mind games with me this whole time i started to question everything he'd told me until I got this message from him. Uh, it was the singer. Apparently it was the singer and the guitar player. They both have merch, so fucking big up Alien Ant Farm. Big fucking Deathcore fans. Well, there you have it, folks. This is why you tune in to the Butchio Death Trip True Crime podcast series, Finding Dryden. We now have true intel on inside the mind of, of Dryden, but also his guitar player. They both like deathcore and they both like to wear merch of deathcore bands. But in my conversations with Colin, something came up that made me question his grip on reality. When speaking about Baccio Death Trip, Colin happened to casually mention this i don't know i just love it your fucking co-host is sick it's it's good shit how could this be colin the only person i had in my life that was willing to shine a light on the inner workings of alien ant farm is on team benji i mean hadn't he heard my thoughts on splash symbols had he not borne witness to my msn messenger song to be front row for my genius on a weekly basis and to still say, Benji, my co-host is sick and not mention my amazing podcasting skills is devastating. That brings us to the end of this one-part series, Finding Dryden. Stay tuned next week when I start my new investigative series called Colin, Why Don't You Like Me? 
Like, in all seriousness, though, um, hey, thank you. I mean, Colin's not the first to, to show the Team Benji love. There is no Team Benji, you know. There's a Team Renji, which is me and Reese, you know, but... I'm absolutely flattered, absolutely flattered by that. Thank you so much, Colin. It's it's appreciated. I'll uh, I'll keep doing it if you keep listening to it. That was a troll worthy of Alien Ant Farm. I want to skip forwards a little bit now, Reese, and talk about True Ant. And it was at this exact moment, my cat jumped on the table and decided to put his ass right into the zoom camera. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen a cat's rectum on your Zoom? <laughs> yes, I am speaking through my cat's rectum. How can I help you? You have to speak oh, up. I'm wearing a cat's rectum. I want to skip forwards a little bit now and talk about uh, Truant, which was the last album that they released through DreamWorks before all of that shit kicked off. Shit you can research in your own time. Is that the one that, with a really shit cover where it's like an ant in a bedroom, like the bedroom set of Little Nicky? No, that's um, that was their fourth album, uh, which was. Oh, I think that's called a fucking piece of shit. Don't listen to it. Am I right? Is uh, that what it's called? Yeah, I mean uh, that whole thing stems into what happened when DreamWorks, uh, DreamWorks got bought out by Universal, which is ironic because they right. Hold on. This is where it gets slightly convoluted now, okay? So True Ant came out, and then DreamWorks Records got bought by Universal, and Universal owned Geffen, which is ironic because the SKG, the G in DreamWorks SKG, stands for Geffen. So if you think about it, Geffen was involved in not not selling a label once, but fucking twice now. So the band argued that their... Uh, is it Up in the Attic? Yeah, that's the shit one. Yeah, uh, Up in the Attic, that's the one, yeah. So they argued that they shouldn't be on Geffen, that Universal perhaps should release Up in the Attic instead. And it got recorded in 2005, and it did not get released until 2006. So Alien Ant Farm fans will will know this one as well, because they toured in 2005 sitting on the album, and they released a copy of that album called Third Draft. And it was called Third Draft because of the artwork basically having the phrase a third draft on it. And so Up in the Attic got released by Universal with no support from the label, no tour, one radio promo single, nothing, nothing at all. Does that sound familiar? Yes, that is the plot to Blade 3. That is indeed the plot to Blade 3. But the trolling aspect, you trolling, um, it just reminds me that Alien Ant Farm have a thing about doing multiple fucking videos, don't they? Because did you know that they did two videos for these days off True Ant? No, I don't know anything about True Ant. <laughs> there, you, there you go, there you go. Right, so... you just telling me there's an album called True Ant by Alien Ant Farm. I'm like, what? I did not know that. Like, did you know? I, I, I fucking told you that the research went deep on this one, man. So, so the first video for True Ant, the big one, was when they performed Over the Road from the 2003... Uh, Black Entertainment Television Awards. This is like that fucking scene in A Beautiful Mind where Russell Crowe fully snaps. This is this is what you're just dropping letters into a letterbox that never been that's collected. That's it, man. That's it. 
you, you, you keep interjecting like that, I'm going to have to start this whole anecdote again because you're kind of derailing my train of thought here, man. And I know you don't want to be editing this entire segment four or five times, so... Please continue. So they played on top of the roof over the road from the BET Awards, but there was another music video where they crashed an NSYNC concert and then fucking crashed a Pride Parade at the same oh time as well. But that music video, I think it just exists on their DVDs and and stuff like that, you know, that whole behind-the-scenes footage. So there are some people that will put their hand up and say that Alien Ant Farm proto-trolled before trolling became a thing on the internet. When trolling was known as pranking and not cyberbullying. I feel like the label trolled us all by giving them another album, really. Like, they were lucky to get that. They really they, they really didn't want to give them that album, Well, fair though, enough. Man. They've made their money on them. They probably saw them as a novelty band, like... A lot of people, including myself, it's like, hey, you made your money on Smooth Criminal. What more do you want, guys? Like, fucking, that's enough. I don't know what they're doing currently. I don't know if they're still playing shows. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They are? They are. They did a lockdown show. They did a live streaming show from the Whiskey A Go-Go April of well, this year. Well, fucking to them. But, hey. I mean, you've got to fucking give them credit because let's not forget that, you know, throughout all the success of Anthology, they were involved in a nasty fucking bus crash that killed someone and left Dryden paralyzed for a short amount of time. Yeah, and they said he wouldn't walk again. Uh, and he talks about that crash in pretty vivid detail. He remembers it. He remembers thinking, well, I'm paralyzed. Like, you know, it's a very calm sort of thing almost, which which sounds really, really weird. It left a bunch of them with broken ankles. Like, yeah, fractured his spine. Hey, but... He was talking about it. He said, you kind of put your trust in this driver that you don't know. You don't know if they're sleeping. You don't know if they're drinking while you play. You don't know if they're drinking on their days off. You know, sort of barely communicate with them. And it, it reminded me, you know, as a touring musician, especially at a very low level, my safety in the hands of strangers. And can I just dot point some things that I've done? Yes, you can. Like, I want to hear this because hearing the tour stories from God Bows to Math, at one point when they were playing China was pretty hairy. I, the, the two takeaways I got from when I spoke to them about it was that there was a real, real janky uh, accommodation where you were Parks and Recreation fan. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the episode where they um, Andy and April have a Halloween party. And it's oh, the wire. Yeah, wire. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got told by a member of God Bows to Math that they went to the, their toilet consisted of a walk-in shower with a curtain, not not a shower curtain, just a curtain and some exposed wires. So they kind of decided, I'm not too sure if I want to actually go ahead and have a shower because I don't want to die in here. Cowards. And the other not one willing was to that die for a lot art. of people. That's what I say. No, no, they're not. That's a shame. And that's why they don't exist anymore, apart from in our hearts and memories. And the second thing is that no matter how hard you try, you are gonna have a case of diarrhea once you've eaten something in China. Oh Jesus Christ. Uh, not it's not an offense on Chinese food. It's just a completely different cuisine that perhaps Western stomachs aren't accustomed to yet before anyone calls me a xenophobe whatsoever. Oh, I lived there for years. I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Solid bowel movements are a gift. Like they are. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> could this be? Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. That is very, very true. The amount of times yeah. I was like getting the subway to a show with my big backpack full of pedals and merch, my cymbal case, my snare case and a guitar. And I would just go, oh, oh, and I'd have to 
sprint off the subway like three stops early, sprint down to a squat toilet in the subway station with no door and sort of use my guitar as sort of a barricade and just shit the marrow out of my bones. It was fucking – it was just – that's how I knew it was 4 p.m. Like that was my sort of time. But, yeah, so none of my stories are actually in China. So just quickly, when I went – when we went to tour in Vietnam, we played this pub in Hanoi. And when we put the guitar pedal on the ground just to set up, before we even plugged into the power supply, we picked it up to move it. We got a massive shock. And I was like, fucking hell. And then the bar owner's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The electricity isn't grounded correctly. So, yeah, anything you put on there will shock you big time. So when we tested it, we put carpet under it and that seemed to help. But during the set, we had all this, like, this isn't a humble break, but we just had a big crowd that, like, was really up on us and they moved our shit around and yeah. they were, like, drunkenly dancing and spilling beer on the pedals, which is fucking dangerous in itself. But they kind of pushed the pedal. Somehow the pedal became separated from the carpet. So every time our guitarist pushed on a guitar pedal, they get a little shock to them. Fucking dangerous. Like, that is that is one way how you die. And also then we got a lift back to our hotel room carrying, like, guitars and cymbals and stuff with a – a guy I can't imagine was sober on a motorbike speeding through Hanoi, fucking just loving life. Oh, my God. The big thing was in Indonesia, when we did like this three-week tour of Indonesia, we had a driver that literally, I'm not even, this isn't being facetious, had more ex-wives than teeth. He had four teeth and he had seven ex-wives and he had one shirt for a three-week tour and he slept, if we slept, he'd sleep on staircases. So he put his head on the top stair and put his feet on the bottom step and he's like nah it's good for your back and I was like bro you're driving me 14 hours tomorrow get in bed he's like nah I was like I, I paid for your hotel room he's like nah I'm sleeping on the stairs it's fucking bizarre but anyway once I was loading the car right or the van and I was putting the guitar in and it was like just slitting like sliding in on top of the amps <laughs> and um the guitar wouldn't budge and I was like bashing it with my hand I'm like what the fuck is going on I was bashing it it wouldn't go all the way in. So I went around to the other side of the van to see what it was. It was the driver holding the amp, getting smacked in the forehead by the guitar case. He had a big red mark on his forehead. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He didn't even grunt or say like, ouch. He's like, oh, it's okay. And I was like, fucking hell, dude. Anyway, we're, this was at a petrol station. Then he lit up a cigarette at the petrol pump. At the petrol, at the petrol station. Pump while oh pumping petrol. And I was right god. next to him. And I was like, oh my god. Someone came and like punched the cigarette out of his hand. It was fucking insane. But the worst one was in Australia where I used to have this set up with two strobes and I'd put them either side of me while I was playing drums and I had a pedal, like a, a big button, we called it the fuck off button, next to the hi-hat pedal. And so when I hit that, the strobes would come on, yeah? And I had my friend make that. But then um, something happened to that button, so I had another dude make one. And I just happened to take it into a music store and the guy's like, what's that? And I was like, oh, it's my fuck off button. Here's what it does with the strobe lights. It turns them on. I can turn them off. It's really, really nice. I don't have to rely on a lighting guy. And he's like, oh, is it grounded? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, if it's not grounded, it's going to like suck out all the three-phase power and just put that through your body and you'll die. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's grounded. And he goes, are you sure though? And I said, I'm actually not. So I rang the the electrician that made it and he's like, Oh, he was an electrician student, I should say. Ah, uh, here we go. There you he was go. Like, oh, no, nah, I didn't ground that, man. And we had a show like that night. And I was like, oh, so should I use it? And he's like, oh, it might be okay. But yeah, you might want to not do it. And I was like, fuck, dude. If I hadn't have just randomly taken this into a guitar store whilst I was like looking for other pedals and, and, and stuff and that guy hadn't have commented, I would be dead. The amount of times you put your, you know, your blind faith in strangers to drive you, to pick you up, to, you know, be sober. Yeah, so I really felt for Dryden and the, and the rest of Alien Ant Farm where it's like 
they were asleep when it happened, you know, and suddenly Dryden has the, the roof of the bus open and there's rain on him and he's like, oh, I guess it's raining in the bus now and, uh, and I'm paralysed. And there's been too many fatal car accidents and bus accidents on tour. Too many musicians have gone that way. Absolutely. And it's, it's horrible. And it's a really, really sad thing for what should be such a joyous and fun and memorable occasion. Yeah, you forget that, you know, for a lot of touring musicians, they are literally putting their life in the hands of a driver to take them from A to B. You know, we we had it, unfortunately, with Alien Ant Farm, and, and it's been well documented as well, the situation regarding uh, Cliff Burton and Metallica, uh, that situation. It happens more often than not. Sometimes it's a really close call, and other times, unfortunately, like in this situation, it's not. So, you know, I think that big respect to those that drive the tour buses, the ones that take it seriously, understand it, because, I mean, Christ, I I, I get fearful getting onto airplanes, man. I don't like flying whatsoever because I don't know who is in control of that cockpit. And flying is apparently one of the safest ways to travel. I do have a story, though, about entering a plane. And I saw the pilot and he was reading an English book upside down. And that gave me no confidence. I was like, is he doing this for airs? Or what? what is, is he doing this to sort of appear smart? <laughs> Man, but speaking of fucking weird decisions, Alien Ant Farm released a Greatest Hits album. Now, whether that's on their own volition or the label has said, yo, you fucking got to release this album. Did you know about this? I think it was their third official album. I could be wrong, but it's the third or fourth. Now they had they had an album called Greatest Hits before they released Anthology, which wasn't a Greatest Hits album. It was just them joking around. The whole idea of like Anthology, for example, people would think it's a collection of like Alien Ant Farm songs that 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 were popular because I've never heard this band before. But are you telling me that there was an official? We're not on the label anymore, but they still need to make their money. I have no idea, and I think you've schooled me here, but that doesn't change the basis of the game. <laughs> Matt Collins not looking like a dickhead now, is he? Fucking is he, Reese? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Reese, have you got a game instead then to try and humble me from that? Yes, I do, and it's rapid recall. Uh, not recall, I guess, but yes, it's it's fast-paced. And it's off okay. the irrefutable fact that we know Alien Ant Farm released an album called Greatest Hits. So I've gone through and I've found other bands' greatest hits. And there's quite a few of them. And I want you to tell me the first track. What do you oh, think crikey. the first track would be on these bands' greatest hits? All right. Get Jamie ready and uh, hit that clock. Benji. What is the first yes. track on the MC Hammer Greatest Hits? Released in 1996. Can't touch this. Great. The best of Nickelback in 2013. Oh, uh, that would have been released by Roadrunner. I want to say how you remind me, but it might be obvious. It's Photograph. Sorry. Is it Photograph? Weird Al Yankovic, his greatest hits in 1988. Um, fat. Great. All-star smash hits by Smash Mouth in 2005. Uh, Walking on the Sun. All-star. Ooh. The classic track Beer Goggles was track four, you know, incidentally. Oh, okay. 
Oh, well, that's quite low beer goggles. I'd have thought maybe second or third. Stop the Clocks by Oasis in 2006. Uh, right. Was it Acquiesque? No. Oh, was that on disc two, wasn't it? Uh, Live Forever? Rock and Roll Star. Ah, uh, okay. I owned that album. That's weird. Absolute Garbage by Garbage released in 2007. Oh, I should know this because that is next week's podcast. Is it... I, I want to say Super Vixen. Val. I thought it was going to be off that first album, but have you listened? Right, hold on. You normally listen to the albums before, but you told me you'd listened to the wrong garbage album. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I would written a full <laughs> review. <laughs> what, and I was what? like, wait a minute. I wrote, I wrote the review to the wrong album. I was like, why do people love which, this? <laughs> which album was it? Was it uh, Androgyny? So the problem with garbage is that if you go to their Spotify, it has a lot of like reissued, remastered, reissued, remastered, 20th anniversary. And so I got confused and I listened to one with a pink cover. It has Val on it and I quite like Val. Um, Yes. But I'll have a lot more to say about garbage next week. Yeah. Okay. Greatest hits by Bjork in 2002. Human behavior. All is full of love. Oh. Greatest hits by Red Hot Chili Peppers in 2003. Fucking Fortune Faded. Under the Bridge. Ah, okay. There was a time when Greatest Hits would always include the obligatory unreleased track. And so I thought that might be the situation with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, that might help you on this next one. Nirvana by Nirvana in 2002. You know you're right. Great. Greatest Hits by the Spice Girls in 2007. Wannabe. Great. Korn's Greatest Hits Volume 1 released in 2004. Twist. Oh, Word Up, a cameo cover. Ah, see, that's where they got me, man. That was that. That's the one. That's That's the whole. Oh, it's a new track. Blind was track 18. Limp Bizkit Greatest Hits released. Fuck, hold on. That far down, Blind. Yep. How many tracks were on The Greatest Hits? 14. It was a, a marvel in science. No, I actually don't remember. I just remember Blind was track 18. Okay. Limp Biscuit Greatest Hits released in 2005. Ooh. Break stuff? Counterfeit. Ah, okay. So they went chronologically rather than what was their greatest hit. Okay. Last two. Limp Biscuit Icon released in 2007. Break stuff. Counterfeit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just lazy. But that's typical character Fred Durst, isn't oh, it? Oh, fucking Daniel Day Lewis of the greatest hits world. Madonna, the Immaculate Collection. Great name for a uh, great name for a greatest hits. Madonna, the Immaculate Collection, released in 1990. Is it Vogue? Holiday. Ah, see, the the thing is that I have no real excuse. I just kind of sometimes equate, like, some bands will go down the chronological order of their greatest hits. Other bands will go, what was their most pertinent? Because, like, Bjork, for example, I thought that maybe um, Big Time Sensuality would have been track one, but no. 
But that's my excuse anyway, and I've been absolutely humbled because of that, Reese, and I apologize for the whole greatest hits thing. I feel like I've just speared you out of the water. No, man. Look, you went deep on Alien End Farm. I didn't as much. I did listen to them a bunch, and look, they are, I think they definitely have an audience. I think they definitely are a band. I think they're fun. It's not for me. It's that silly fun. And if I may, if we may finish off, can I just share a video with you? Yeah. Just comment on what you see, okay? I'd love to see, I'd love to get your reaction. Well, the bass player looks like um, he shat himself. (laughs) Yeah, keep watching, keep watching. I've seen this clip. <laughs> I've seen this clip. Trident's looking good. No, I've seen that clip. It's 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 kind of sad because there's about eight or nine people in the crowd, but they still go for it. It's at a truck stop too. They're just playing it dirt on dirt, and then a guy jumps the fence and climbs up the dirt, and then Dryden's singing on the dirt. Now to finish off, I did when I found this clip. Look, 126,000 other people have seen it. So, you know, I'm not the first. I'm not going full Columbus syndrome here. But I had to ring our friend Connor and get his live reaction. So I've recorded that. And let's have a listen to Connor's reaction to that amazing video. And if you want to play along at home, youtube.com forward slash Charlie bit my finger forward slash Mitchell Dryden forward slash a virgin's crown. He stole their merch forward slash backslash HTML GeoCities live in movies, live in Lake. Eisenhower. What the fuck? <laughs> What's going on with this bass player, man? <laughs> Just watch him. He looks, he looks like he's committing like 12 sex crimes. He looks like 15 years older than everyone else on stage. What? <laughs> well, just pretending he didn't just like grab this guy's cock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Security walks past. Yeah. I thought, oh, they're going to get rid of him. Nah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it looks like it's taking place in a prison. Like, it looks like the video for St. Anger. It also looks like it's just a truck stop. Yeah, it's not really like it's got that big, like, dirt berm in front of the crowd. I just thought it was pure insanity. I was just like, oh, I'll see what they're like live. And I just saw this. I was like, what's this bass player doing? <laughs> Why is he, like, <laughs> giving cunnilingus to the air? <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, like, this weird thing with the tongue and just, like, so they're sort of bat, like pogoing up and down on the spot and just like, because like he looks like 15 years older than everyone else there. And then when he does the double cobra, like he's like flexing, it's incredible. And then when Dryden yeah. slides down the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that left me with a very uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> I mean, they're just having fun and everyone's having fun. It seems pretty wholesome except for the cock grab. But yeah, everyone seems on board with everything. And I was like, yeah, good on you. But it's creeping me out a little bit. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I just, I, I'm not capable of being sort of <laughs> passive about that sort of thing, you know? If someone grabs me on the cock, I'm going to like, it's got, there's going to be a reaction. <laughs> I think I think he's yeah, mispronounced that word reaction. Saying, no, no, please don't do that. Yeah, yeah, reel it in a little bit. It's just this like unbridled joy that I will never have. I'm too self-aware. It's like a dog loving life, running around, eating each other's like shit and rolling in mud, just having a great time. I was like, oh, can't, can't let go. I can't lower the walls. Meanwhile, you got the alien ant farm bases just flexing and licking the air. Living his best life. Now, I don't think the guy from the crowd was gurning, but like I wouldn't be surprised if the bass player was because like that's, that's not a way to act. I feel like it was a crowd full of speed dealers, but no speed buyers. Yeah. 
and they're just like it's just a sea of shaved heads and like like bare like bare backs. It's like it looks like a fucking neo-Nazi like skinhead meat. And there's gonna be some melanomas there. You can imagine they what they weren't very sun smart. Oh, totally. And like, except instead of like listening to like Screwdriver or something like brutal white nationalist punk band or something, they are absolutely fucking grinding their faces off to Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> Movies, their best song. Is it? I, I don't know. Thank you so much, Connor. As always, a pleasure. Oh, uh, man, Connor, always good to hear from you, my friend. Always good to hear from you. Uh, my verdict on Alien Ant Farm is that Smooth Criminal is a great song. Definitely, it got them somewhere. But, you know, there's other bits and pieces on that album. And I know we said earlier in the podcast, we referenced the YouTube comment about how they weren't angsty and they always seemed happy. That's not to discount that tracks on the album, such as Movies was bittersweet, uh, Attitude was another bittersweet track, fucking Wish that ended up appearing on a Tony Hawk soundtrack, which is funny because they also appeared on a <laughs> yeah! snowboarding That's soundtrack right. with everyone as well. So, you know, you can tell the make of a band when they escalate through video game series <laughs> like Papa Roach. Dead Cells, Dead Papa Cells, Roach, Dead Cells. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Papa Roach and Alien Ant Farm both appeared on the Sean Palmer's uh, snowboarding, and then later on they appeared on Tony Hawk's Pro Skateboarder. So Tony Hawk's influential. On next week's podcast, we'll be talking about Garbage's version 2.0. A little bit different, but still quite a seminal album in terms of alternative music at that point in time. Luckily, Reese has probably listened to the correct album this time. And uh, yeah, we'll get his thoughts. We'll talk about The Wander of Shirley Manson. We'll talk about The Wander of Butch Fig. And we'll get down to the bottom of why the hell they called themselves garbage. So as always, this one's dedicated to Jamie Kennedy. And what an awkward way to end. <laughs>